Welcome to the Educo Community Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Robertson. So before I begin my first podcast here, I feel like I have to preface this all by telling you that the reason why we started Educo Community is because podcasts aren't good enough. No matter how much you learn from me or any of the experts that I interview here, none of that matters unless you use the information to make a meaningful difference in your life. And that's why we built all of these programs here to, to help you put those expert ideas into action. So I was very reluctant to even start a podcast, but I have the really good fortune of being able to collaborate with all of these experts on the programs and be able to work with some just incredibly smart people. And eventually I realized that uh, the conversations that we had together, I'd learned so much from it that it was really a crying shame not to share that information with other people. And so I decided that I needed to get out of my comfort zone, start this podcast, and I felt like there was no expert who was better to start it with than Bill Ekstrom. All right, I am talking here today with Bill Ekstrom, the expert behind the growth rings. Bill, how are you doing today? Good, Colin. I'm just wonderful. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, my friends. Uh, so let's just get right into it. I would love to know more about uh, your story, uh, how you came up with the growth rings, and why your TED Talk is named Why Comfort Will Ruin Your Life. Okay. Well, where would you like me to begin? Why don't you begin with the uh, the story that you told in your TED Talk, for anyone who hasn't seen it yet? Uh, I, I assume you're referring to the uh, moment where I got fired. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. That, that's interesting, Colin. It seems to be, you know, I didn't give that a lot of thought coming into the TED Talk. And actually, there, there, there's, there is a little story around that. Um, what's interesting is post-TED Talk, um, which is a perfect example of <laughs> complexity, uh, it seems like I've turned into a, kind of a poster boy, uh, somebody who's gotten fired and has gone on to do something about it or with it and or bounced back, which is something that I really never thought about going into it. Um, the I think I need to back up a little further before I talk about the event is when I got accepted to do a TED Talk at the University of Nevada. Um, I knew, you know, what I had submitted for the TED talk was around the growth rings. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had developed a, a talk around that, but I needed a good opening. I needed something to, to set it off right. Um, and I'll never forget, we were sitting around the conference table, Will Clefcorn, who was our VP of sales, who was also our first employee said, Bill, why don't you just tell them the truth? And I said, well, what do you mean? Tell him the truth. I said, I, you know, <laughs> I caught me a little off guard. He said, why don't you tell him the truth? And I said, I, you lost me, Will. And he said, tell him about how our company got started. And I hmm. said, well, what do you mean? He said, you got fired. The only reason we are all sitting around this table today, the only reason that we're doing the work we're doing, the only reason you got asked to do a TED Talk is because you got fired. Hmm. So why don't you go ahead and share that story with them? And that is really is that that was my motivation to 
opening the TED Talk because it's challenging, Colin, and, and it's humbling, quite frankly. I don't care who you are, where you are. That's just not something you like to talk about. Yeah. So that was, but but it was, he was right. He was spot on. That is why our company got started. That's, you know, I wouldn't, you and I wouldn't be on the phone today had I not been fired back in 2000. So, yeah, that's that's why the story came out. And the moment it happened, um, you know, as I said in the talk, I, I was, I was, I thought in a great spot. Um, I had worked my way up to a great executive role, um, got on with the company as publicly traded, had stock options and all the things that I mentioned, mm-hmm. and when out of the blue, you sit down and the guy says, hey, listen, your job's been eliminated, and we're going in a different direction, and quite literally, um, you walk out of the office, and that's it. Done. End of story. So is that when you came up with the idea for the growth rings, or is that something that had been developing before then? No, actually, it, it, the growth rings came along after the fact. Hmm. Um, the story just fits in them so perfectly. But the growth rings came about when we were working uh, with a friend of mine who is a PhD in org behavior, Dr. Mary Yulebean is her name. Um, when we were trying to understand what caused growth. And when we used her science and our science and research and put everything together, the growth rings came about as a way to describe how all living things are affected by their environments, by the growth of all living things and how it's affected by their environment. And as weird as it sounds, it came about as we were studying behaviors of high-performing managers or coaches, as we would say. Hmm. And so why don't you explain each one of the uh, the growth rings just for people who haven't uh, seen any of this information yet? Oh, well, now you're really putting me on the spot. We like to, the, the, the two outliers, and I, don't, I wouldn't call them outliers because they exist and they're there, stagnation and chaos. Stagnation um, is having to follow too many steps and permissions of minutia and it stifles actually creativity and independent thought action. Um, stagnation you see now, and this is interesting because I could, I can actually see it in myself in certain things that I've done. Stagnation you see in people who plateau it's saying workouts which is really interesting. Hmm. Stagnation is basically order gone bad. Um, you know, if you do the same thing over and over and over again, same lifting weights, you eventually hit what's called a plateau. Sure. And you have no growth, and you can actually go backwards. So that's, that's stagnation. Um, and, and, you know, again, we see it every now and then in business environments when there's just too many processes and paperwork and details that people have to follow. Uh, the antithesis being chaos, which is having no understanding of inputs or outcomes. Um, chaos, from a business perspective, Colin, we see, I think the most common example would be mergers and acquisitions. Um, okay. And just having seen this here recently with, you know, I think number one, Cabela's, 
being taken over by Bass Pro and knowing some people that work at Cabela's and visiting with them. Um, and quite frankly, they're frozen. They're, 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 they have no idea what's coming. They don't know if they have jobs. They don't know if they're going to get fired. They don't know. And it usually triggers what we call one of the three Fs, as in uh, fight, flight, or freeze. So that's chaos, and, and actually it's quite common in those scenarios. The, the two environments that really organizations and people need to focus on are order and complexity. Hmm. Order is understanding input and outcomes. So I'm in an environment where um, what I do leads to a predictable outcome, and therefore it creates comfort. And comfort, while good and nice, also very, very dangerous um, because comfort gone bad leads to stagnation. So uh, um, just to kind of unpack this a little bit, would you say mm-hmm. that kind of moving up the corporate ladder like you were at the beginning, that is order. But if, if you were to stop moving up the corporate ladder, then it would have been stagnation. If you were just comfortable wherever you were at and you were done, you know, kind of moving up. Yeah. And, and that's certainly there's there's components of it in so many things. Um, It's not fair to say I was comfortable in my job because every day, you know, I had challenges, but the order of the job was I'd go to work, I'd get a paycheck, Mm -hmm. I'd get bonuses, I had stock options, and it really, it, it stifled my own growth. And while at the time I would have said to you, yeah, someday, Colin, I'll have my own company. Mm-hmm. Now that I look back to reality, I probably wouldn't have. It was too comfortable in the setting I was in. So you think it was necessary for you to have uh, the, the tie completely cut off from that order in order to do what you really wanted to do in starting your own company? Yeah, well... <laughs> right. I just didn't expect it to happen that way, right? Sure. I mean, um, life never happens the way we you know, expect. Right. Exactly. So, right. So when you get fired, all of a sudden, your order is completely and totally disrupted. Mm-hmm. And it put me into the mass environment, um, complexity, which complexity is defined by understanding inputs, but they've been changed. So mm. in other words, it's just it's a changed order. And you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And so then when you start your own business as, you know, for example, every startup uh, operates in complexity. Mm -hmm. You put as much order to it as you can. You create a business plan. You go to the bank. You do all the things that you need to do. But the end result is always complexity because you don't know what that outcome is going to be. Um, That's the state I was in. Now, the upside of complexity is it's the only environment where sustained or exponential growth can occur. Mm -hmm. But it creates discomfort. Because it creates discomfort, consciously or subconsciously, people just don't want to be there. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. I mean, it's it's such a dichotomy of us wanting to grow, yet acting in a way that makes us comfortable because it is so well I mean, uncomfortable being in that state of complexity. Um, what would you say is, was your biggest challenge moving from the corporate world to the entrepreneurial world? The biggest challenge, that's a good question. Not having a steady income stream. 
Mm. <laughs> that that was that was challenging, and but you know it was an environment where you know here's what I'll say: not all complexity creates discomfort. Okay, but every bit of discomfort is caused by complexity. Hmm. Interesting. And and so when you think about that, while I I was in complexity, I wasn't that uncomfortable because for the first time in my life I felt like I was calling 100% of the shots. And while it was discomfort, I know that and and the funny part is is created extreme discomfort for my spouse. It um in some ways it, w- it was more comforting in spite of the fact that I was in place, I, I, I had no idea whether it was going to work or not. You know, obviously you plan on it, you work your rear, rear end off to, to create something, and um, it happened to work out. That, that'll make sense. So I know that you and your team give talks around the country on this subject, on the growth rings, and uh, what are some of the key th- principles you teach to the audiences that you speak to? That's a good question, Connor. And I think the first, the way I'd answer that, is there is a power to the knowledge of it, first mm-hmm. of all, meaning that our, the, the, the power here is in your mind, being able to acknowledge the environment in which you reside, um, meaning that literally, and, and do now, consciously stop when I feel discomfort, and I separate it if this makes sense at all, I separate it from who I am as a person hmm. and acknowledge, because there's always a feeling that comes with it. To me, it, it kind of hits in my gut, but I'm able to stop and acknowledge it, and then I identify it, what's causing it. And then when you consciously acknowledge what's causing the discomfort, it's amazingly powerful. I can now go either solve it, pursue it, fix it, or walk away from it. And there are times, in other words, stay in my order. And there's times when both are appropriate. But the ability to acknowledge it, I think, is the most empowering feeling that we can have as individuals, which is why I loved about the app that we created to you. And I'm not plugging that. That's not why I'm bringing this up. But that's what I loved about our conversations and working with you on this. It you know, if, if people would take the time to realize, hey, am I just living a life of comfort here? If Do I never get the feeling of discomfort? And if I do, I never pursue it? Then we're probably not growing. And that, to me, is what's so empowering about understanding how the growth rings work, that I will consciously make choices to allow discomfort to be in my life or move away from it depending on whether or not I, I want to grow in that particular area. Sure. So it's kind of that level of self-awareness to uh, step back from either the feeling of discomfort in the moment and say, okay, I can see now that I'm, I can learn from this. If you're in the order ring and uh, having a moment to take a step back and say, am I really pushing myself as far as I, I should be? And how can I do that more? Right. I, I'm, our work with you is a perfect example. When you approached us on the creating of this app, for mm-hmm. example, that put me 
into discomfort. I, I never had envisioned putting something like that into an app form. And after, um, I, as you know, in the initial conversation, I, you know, I considered to say, hey, appreciate it. That's kind of cool. Not what I want to do right now. And boom, gone, right? Sure. Eliminate the discomfort that you caused me. <laughs> but as you know, the end result of that was, all right, now I'm going to accept that discomfort. And not only that, I'm going to bring in Anna, our director of marketing, mm-hmm. and we're going to work through this to see if there is an outcome that will work for everybody. But yeah, I mean, just something as small as that created discomfort. So what do you think was the thing that tilted you, pursuing the thing that is unknown but interesting to you? Um, Knowing absolutely and unequivocally, Colin, that there will be growth, Hmm. period. Hmm. Even if it fails, I now realize that the growth is in knowing that that was a failure. So... That that is what always moves me into that discomfort direction is knowing that absolutely for sure I'm going to grow on the other side of this. Even if it doesn't work, I'll be okay and I'll be smarter, I'll be wiser. Maybe I'll be more physically fit, who knows, whatever it is. <laughs> but I will grow sure. as a result. Yeah, that, that's great. So do you think that it's because you had already you know, had that bigger failure um, and, and realize you came out better the other side, you're more willing to, to risk that failure now. That was certainly a significant lesson. But until I was able to articulate that lesson through the growth rings, Colin, mm-hmm. I would not have said yes to what you're saying. Interesting. Yeah, it was, it was quite literally the, that epiphany of, 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 you know, discomfort. It's just that simple. Growth occurs in a state of discomfort. And, and I did not view or under, I mean, people forever have said, oh, you got to get out of your comfort zone. That doesn't make sense until you look at the science behind this and understanding. I mean, it applies to nature. It applies to, it applies to psychology. It applies to physiology when you think about it. It's, it's interesting to me that it's, it seems like um, by having the TED Talk, you were able to really reflect on the experience for you of that failure of getting fired and see the real value that you took away from it. Yes. There's so much that I learned from doing that TED Talk. It, is, it, it created vast amounts of discomfort. There was discomfort in disclosing that story of getting fired. Ten years, I never lied about it. People ask me, well, how did you do there or why did you leave your company? I would say, well, I got fired. But it's not something I had just gone out in the general public and said, hey, look at me, I got fired. Um, So that created discomfort. Um, Forcing all these, this information that we had on this topic and being able to articulate it. You know, I've done our keynotes on it, but I had to do it in 12 minutes. So that created discomfort. The prep of the talk, it, it changed how I worked during the day. It changed you know, my routines, it changed my order. The results of it, quite frankly, have created discomfort for our business in a positive way, but it's still discomfort. So uh, obviously you have been through, you know, a a lot of this experience yourself. Um, I'm curious with your team, how do you kind of teach them to live these types of principles? Oh man, great question, Colin. I think, and you know, again, the first thing I'm going to get back to is understanding. Hmm. Of, of how growth works. Um, 
number one. And so that everybody in our office feels empowered because they really adapt and relate to, and we use the language around here. Uh, we'll hear from our people, hey, listen, right now I am in extreme complexity, people. So let's not put more on my plate. So people will use that um, in their language. The, you know, the other, so that's number one. And I think number two is we know each other well enough up here. And we care about each other enough. And, and that's, a, that's the key is, is you can't just, as a coach, for example, mm-hmm. um, as, a, as a manager or leader in business, whatever you want to call yourself, you can't just go blindly create complexity for individuals or teams and think that that's going to be healthy. Um, you have to know the people on your team you, because everybody's complexity and order is unique. What is, say, order for me may be complexity to my wife mm-hmm. and vice versa. Um, so to do it in a healthy manner, to, to push people, and that's the whole idea behind coaching, the whole idea of how, how uh, this, this concept of the growth rings applies to business and to performance. It's all about knowing the people on your team well enough to understand your work with them and what causes complexity versus order and knowing when it's the right time to help people move into uncomfortable environments. Yeah, and I would assume that you would need to establish a level of trust for them to be willing to admit where there is complexity and, and um, where they need help and be vulnerable in that way. Uh, Colin, that's very well said. It, 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 trust relationships are the foundation of high performance. It's just that simple. Um, they really are. And without that, without having that trust relation, and, it, and, and it's reciprocal, and is, as you mentioned, that has to be in place for it to be effective in, in a uh, business or coaching type of environment. So you have to be just as willing to be vulnerable as they are? Uh, very, yeah, another, another good one. Yes, you do. And vulnerability is challenging. And that, I think, also, if, if I were to go back and think about why that TED Talk was so successful, number one, you, yes, you got to have good material. Number two, you got to present it well. Um, but I had a team of people helping me on that. Mm. And so, yeah, I became vulnerable when I stood up there and said, hey, guess what? I got fired. <laughs> but that was a good lesson for me. Um, and, and the power of vulnerability. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, vulnerability is is definitely, I, I think it's such a great example of, you know, something being more complex, yet always being beneficial because you learn something from it. You know, there's very few times when you'll be more vulnerable with someone and then regret it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's well said again. Yeah, you're right. I, it's, I, I can't even think of a time where I thought, wow, I was too vulnerable. Yeah. Um, but there are times where I think, yeah, I should have opened up. So how do you, I guess we touched on, on this a little bit, but how do you uh, make sure that your team is always kind of pushing their comfort zones on a regular basis? Um, well, the first thing I do is, is it's going to get back to that. It's going to get back to that relationship thing. Hmm. Um and let me make something clear. We cannot, human beings cannot live their entire existence in discomfort. 
order is not a bad thing. Hmm. Too much of it is bad. Likewise, complexity. And so there has to, I, and, and there has to be balance. I love my orders in, in my life. And when they get disrupted, it makes me completely uncomfortable. Um, so it's understanding the person um, and really... This is, well, this is where a little bit of the art comes in, Colin, is seeing how they work, seeing what they do, seeing how they're doing it. Hmm. Um, are they just doing the same things day in and day out? And you can, you can tell, um, I don't know, just by watching and listening and probing with deep questions. And I think one of the things that, that we need to do as leaders is our job is not to have all the answers, but our job is to ask great questions. So it's watching, listening, um, all those things and making sure that when appropriate, you know, in examples like somebody up here uh, is losing a grandparent mm. and knowing if I didn't know this person and how tight they were with the grandparent, you know, it's not time to stack more on their plate. Mm -hmm. they, ha they, they have some personal things that they're working on that, that really they need to work through. So without that relationship, you're not going to know what to do. And you, in a lot of ways, you could be creating chaos when you think you're creating com complexity. It, it is, it's such a line that you need to ride on, on, on all of them, I, I would imagine, all of the growth rings. But one thing I, I, I really like that you brought up there is questions, because I can't imagine that it's a very uh, positive conversation for you to just call someone out on you aren't you know, pushing your comfort zone enough, rather, than, rather to come up with a question around that that helps them really understand and ask themselves whether or not they're pushing themselves enough. Right. And, and that's the beauty of uh, working with high performers, which when you start to probe, you know, tell me what you're working on right now. What are your objectives? What, what, what are the outcomes? How's that working out? Um, what, what are your next steps involved? In? Now, that's not micromanaging because those conversations don't happen every day. But when they do happen, usually what comes out of that is somebody saying, oh, well, you know what? As a matter of fact, after having this conversation, Bill, I think I'm going to go do uh, D, E, and F instead of just A, B, and C. Because mm -hmm. I think, you know, uh, G, H, and I are going to be the outcome. Okay, great. Now, I haven't recommended a thing. Hmm. But they self-discover um, something that they can go do. For anyone wanting to try out the, the growth rings, the, the application that we build together, what do you hope that they accomplish by using it on a regular basis? Conscious acknowledgement hmm. of that mean? order versus discomfort. It, and that's the brilliance of, of what that thing is in my mind is it makes you consciously acknowledge that, wow, you know, am I, for example, in my workout, am I just doing the same thing over and over? Because when you do that, the science shows you're going to create order or stagnation. There's a reason um, you know, all these different workout places now are, are having you do all the, you know, we're going to throw, we're going to, we're constantly confusing our bodies to allow growth. But now we have to put that to our mind. And that's what I really like about that app con is it really makes me think about 
what am I doing or not doing to create some complexity in my life that will that will allow for growth, and I have to consciously acknowledge it and write it down. I mean, I've used it several times now myself, and the the best part uh, in my mind is when you are able to uh, put you're able to articulate the things you're afraid of, and then make a plan to overcome that thing. It's almost as if when you articulate the things that you're afraid of outside of your comfort zone, you now have control over them. Whereas if you don't take that time to really articulate, this is the thing that I'm afraid of, this is why I'm afraid of it, this is how I'm going to overcome that fear, it, it just it, you allow your thoughts to kind of run away with it. Hmm? Yeah, it, 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 yes. You know, an example, my... My youngest daughter had just this fear her whole life of oceans hmm. and and the things that lived in oceans. And because of, I think, her athletic background and understanding, and, and then the growth rings came about and the science of growth, she understood that, okay, what I thought, which is real pain, actually leads to growth. So if I have a fear of oceans and water, the only way to grow out of that fear is to make myself uncomfortable. So she went out and got certified in scuba diving in the ocean. Right. And now she's going to major in marine biology. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's, there are examples like that all over the place. Sure. And if we take those examples and, and, and think through them, we'll realize that, wow, okay, that's, you know, that stuff, it really does work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I've always thought that, uh, that fears only exist in the unknown. And so once you kind of confront that unknown and you do things like, you know, uh, take scuba diving lessons, then you learn how little the fear actually holds in, in reality. Exactly. And that's in, in what you just defined is exactly what complexity is. It is the unknown. Anytime you change something, it, the outcome is going to change and not, and sometimes not even immediately. It could be, it could be down the road, but when outcomes become unknown, that creates discomfort or fear or whatever word you want to put on it. That's exactly right. That's what happened. I'm, I'm going to bring this into kind of the, the time of year we're at. We're in New Year's resolution season now. And I could see a lot of people, you know, listening to us right now and wanting to push themselves too far to go into uh, a chaos zone with their workouts going from zero to, you know, four or five workouts per week. How do you kind of hold yourself back and not go into the chaos zone, but get into the complexity zone uh, and, and kind of make a deliberate effort there. This is interesting to think about because when we only create our own complexity, is it really complexity? Hmm. In other words, if I'm doing it for myself, is it, is it actually comfort? Because it's my rules. I'm doing it my way. Um, and I'm not saying it can't be, but it's just an interesting thought is if, if, you know, people say, well, I create my own complexity, but if you're doing it and defining it yourself, is it really, is it truly complexity? So to challenge that, 
what I do is I get a coach. And this is where I think coaches come in, uh, whether it's a coach for my fitness, whether it's a coach for my, um, my, my mind, my brain. And I rely on my coach to help me go places that I wouldn't go without, in this case, Kathy, my, my coach, I wouldn't, without her. She, she challenges me in ways that I don't think of, so therefore the growth is better. And she makes sure then that I am not in chaos, that I am taking steps into complexity so I don't slip, go from order into chaos. We make sure that those smaller steps are taken in that journey. Focus on those small steps of discomfort first, because what is discomfort now will eventually turn to order. And then you have to change it again, evolve it further. You made an interesting point there, because what about when you started this company? You probably wrote your business plan. You probably called up the people and had control over that. But just the very nature of, uh, you know, starting a new business is incredibly complex. Uh, so wouldn't that be in the complexity zone, even though you planned it yourself? Uh, yes, right. But keep in mind, the, the plan was, the concept was created by me. And it then was refined by a litany of people. You know, you don't take a business plan by yourself and say, this is it. I've got no input. I had friends. I had colleagues. I had uh, potential customers. I had the banker, you know, everybody that had their uh, some input on it. So while the idea came from me, the um, the actual delivery had evolved because I got other people's input. Okay, so now I, I think I think I got where you're going here because it seems like what it takes to to find kind of the the middle ground of of complexity is uh, other people. So it might be the coach, it might be other people that you were talking about, you know, the, the banker and everything. Um, starting my own business, you know, Educo Community, it was reaching out to people like you. That's where I knew that I needed to go as far as pushing my own comfort zone is start actually making sales calls to people like you. Uh, and then based off of your feedback, we were able to create order out of it and see exactly what this thing is going to turn into. And I love how you worded that, Colin. The, 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 yeah, the, that's the outcome of going into complexity is you create an order about it when the exponential growth really starts to occur. But then you eventually need to branch out of that and you know continue to evolve it uh, in order to keep the growth sustained, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, building a new business is moving into the forest, if you will, and then marking down a map <laughs> as you go and, and kind of mm -hmm. lay, laying the bricks as you, as you pass them so that there is order behind you, but still complexity in front of you. Right. I mean, yeah, I use this example every now and then, but think about airplanes. You know, there, there's, there's a highly ordered environment, right? Mm -hmm. they, have, they have, to your, use your word, they have mapped out the safest way possible to get people like you and me from point A to point B, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. And if they follow that path with like 99.99, whatever the number is, percent effectiveness, they get us from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. However, 
if all of a sudden a new way to fly, a safer aircraft, um, a better instrumentation comes about, wouldn't you want that airline and your pilots to break their order and implement that new idea? Absolutely. Right. So the path, the order about it is can be a wonderful thing. But when the order inhibits growth, you know, using that example of if, no, hey, don't bother me with this new technology, know how to fly a plane from point A to point B. That's when order turns into stagnation. Yeah, I was just going to say that we see that as that example so often uh, in businesses that just aren't able to evolve correctly, like Kodak or Blockbuster. Well, yeah, Blockbuster, a litany of other examples that were comfortable with the status quo until it, the status quo was no longer. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, and those examples are you know highly evolving uh, industries, but still, it, it doesn't matter. Just move faster than others. Absolutely. Especially we're moving towards the most uncertain future ever <laughs> in the entire you know history of mankind. And so it's not really a question of whether or not you want to learn how to live in a complex world. You have to now. Right. Exactly. And there's the Center for Creative Leadership, CCL, did a white paper um, it was talking about, I think, development or something, but, and I'm paraphrasing, but the gist of it was, is we, we have to quit finding people on our teams for what they know. Hmm. We need to find people on our teams that are willing to give up what they know and learn something new. Interesting. That is how we should be finding the talent. Um, do you have an example of how you use that in your in your own business? We are constantly trying to reinvent um, what we do um, through our technology. I think it is a great example. You know, we have a technology that measures and quantifies coaching interactions. Um, I, I don't know of anything like it uh, out there. But so that that was something that we have done. We're constantly evolving that technology as we learn more in research. And I think that's another thing. It's research itself. So we're constantly monitoring what's happening out in the marketplace and um, and in our in, in our market specifically with research. So those are those are two ways, the application of technology and using research to back up what we do. That's all, that all makes sense. Um, I was more thinking along the lines of finding a person who is, you know, adaptable rather oh, than just proficient. I apologize. Uh, no, it's fine. Um, I, I'm just thinking that when someone hands you a resume, it's, this is what I know. So how do you really judge someone on how, okay, <laughs> how willing are you gonna be able to let go of everything that was on your resume and learn whatever, you know, comes next to us? Yeah, I love the way you put that. You're right, because that's what a resume is. Here is here's what I know. It's not yep. even who I am, right? It's 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 a snapshot in time. Um, I'm a big believer, Colin, in assessing talents in people um, hmm. and investing in the right tools to help people uh, to learn about their flexibility, and then uh, beyond that, I think 
that it is also a modeling behavior within our organization. And it was hard for me, and it's it's hard for other people, but it really can evolve that way, meaning that, you know, when you bring something to the table, we tear it apart. Hmm. We tore your stuff apart. And, and I mean, seriously, that, that's what we do. And, and when we allow our own work to be torn apart, people pretty soon become detached from the work. They don't see it as an extension of who they are as a person. And from that, they really learn to, hey, I've got to be evolving with this and, and coming up with new ways. Sure, that makes sense. I mean, I think that is probably one of the most important things whenever you're doing something that you are proud to put forth is to be proud of the work, but also see it as work and not as yourself. Exactly, exactly. And what's interesting is it ties exactly back to, because the, when you start to do it, and, and all of a sudden people are tearing your work apart, what does it create? Discomfort. Yeah. Exactly. And then pretty soon it's like, oh, that becomes routine. I got it. I no longer, yeah, and, and I, I've grown beyond that. And now I understand, to your point, it's not who I am. It's not an extension of who I am. It's simply something that I thought of and I put forth. And now the group has come up with a better way to do it. One of the most important lessons I learned, it was about three years ago now, uh, was that if you don't look at the work you did a year ago and are embarrassed by it, then you're not pushing yourself enough. Yeah, I know. I keep thinking, when am I going to watch that TED Talk and go, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be you know, some lessons that you've learned bef- between when you gave that TED Talk and the time that you look at it in the future or even now that you're like, oh, I wish I had said this or I wish I had said that or that doesn't make any sense anymore. Uh, it, it makes way more sense to say it this way or something like that. Oh, that, and you know, that's a great point, Colin, because that's already happened. We're in the process of writing a book that includes work on the growth rings. And already there's some been vernacular that has changed where we've gone back and go, ooh, Bill said this in the TED Talk. That's already happening. Um, and, but again, you know, in a, in a wonderful way. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I won't want to take up any more of your time. Uh, This has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time out and telling us a little bit more about you and uh, how to push our comfort zones. Um, Anything else you want to tell the audience before we part today? Uh, Yes. Go find some discomfort. (laughs) Absolutely. Go find some discomfort and live in it for a while. Sounds great. Make it comfortable for you and then do it again. Just not too much. Don't go zero to 60. (laughs) Exactly. Go zero to 21st. All right. Thanks a ton, Bill. Thank you, Colin. Make it a great day.